Over the last four years, we've interviewed over 250 of the planet's highest performers, from sports people to entertainers, experts to business leaders. They all have one thing in common, their commitment to performing at their very highest level. And we've culminated the best learnings, experiences and lessons from those individuals to create our brand new book, How to Change Your Life. Within the book, we've explored these learnings and translated them into the five stages of change that you can follow to get from where you are to where you want to be. Join us on our journey of sharing the learnings from every single one of our high performance guests with the world. Get your copy of How to Change Your Life today. Hi there, you're listening to High Performance, the show that unlocks the minds of the most fascinating people on the planet. I'm Jake Humphrey, and alongside Damien Hughes, our expert in high-performing cultures, we learn from the stories, successes, and struggles of our guests, allowing us all to explore, be challenged, and to grow. Here's what's coming up today. What a modern psychologist, hypnotist, and neuro-linguistic programmer does is help somebody to literally reprogram their mind or teach them to program themselves really quickly to turn around unwanted behaviors. I hear people say rubbish like, it takes 21 days to get a habit. I've seen people in 21 seconds change. In that moment, their life changes, or they meet someone, or they come up with an idea, or they suddenly see a possibility. In that moment, everything changes. Life is absolutely amazing. Try and find out how much pleasure you can stand. So welcome to High Performance, Paul McKenna. This is part of a series of episodes that we're releasing in January at the very start of 2024 to help equip you for the year ahead. And today we welcome to the show a master of helping people change from losing weight to enabling better sleep, releasing anxiety to quitting smoking. Paul McKenna has sold over 10 million books. He is the number one hypnotist in the world. And on today's show, we talk to him about his new book, Success for Life, The Secret to Achieving Your Potential. And you know what? Damien and I really enjoyed this conversation. At times we challenged Paul, at times we disagreed with him, at times we vehemently agreed with him and loved his approach. And I'm telling you now, right, the energy this man brings to a conversation, the force of nature that he is when you're in a room with him is really something quite special. And, you know, I left having learned again an awful lot. And that's why I'm so pleased to bring you this episode at the start of a new year. And don't forget, we also have the High Performance app. And if you download the app, you can actually hear Paul guiding me through an exercise to try and help me with an issue that I've got in my life. So if you want to hear that, download the High Performance app. But right now, let's get straight to it. Time to get you closer to your own version of high performance with a world-leading hypnotist. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome to High Performance, Paul McKenna. 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, Paul, this is a real pleasure to welcome you to High Performance. Thank you, Jake. Hello, lovely to see you. And uh, Damien, lovely to see you too. What is high performance do you believe when somebody's in a sort of a a peak state when um athletes call it being in the zone musicians call it being in the groove psychologists call it being in flow when you're involved in an activity to the peak of your ability sort of the rest of the world disappears you know you move in the right way you think uh the the thoughts in a you know in in a really good sequence and you are uh, you're actually in a state of excellence, is what I would say. And should we all aim for that? Like, do we need to aim for excellence? We don't need to, uh, but it's a good idea to, because firstly, it feels good, right? You know, when even when you're watching someone else in a peak state, right? If you have the reference experiences, say as a sports person, you're watching, you know, someone performing an athlete really, really well, you enjoy them to some extent. If you're, or if you're watching, uh, you're at a concert and you appreciate the music, the musicians in, in the groove, you enjoy them in that flow, that groove, you know that peak state and so it feels good uh and um so yeah so it's a it's a good thing to aim for because it uh, makes you feel good and it makes other people feel good a lot of our listeners will be familiar with you from your days on television as a hypnotist and i'm interested if you tell us a little bit about how you describe what you do now Okay, so you're absolutely right. I my I began my life as a radio broadcaster. Then I became a uh, an entertainment hypnotist, uh, comedy hypnotist, and I then moved into self improvement television. And I became an author. And nowadays, what I do is I teach hypnotherapy. I have the largest hypnotherapy training organization in the world. I do motivational events. I'm a hired gun, and and I still write books uh, and or make audio video products. That that either help people to overcome a problem, to sleep better at night, to become more confident, to quit smoking, etc., or aspirational. So no matter how good your life is right now, I've got the access codes to your unconscious mind, and I can crank your life up and make it even better. Not install my model of happiness in you, but 
help you become the best version of you. I know that you work with some of the most famous people on the planet, right? We all assume, well, they don't need Paul McKenna because they've already achieved great things. They must already be happy, no? I feel very honoured to have worked with some some spectacularly talented people. And sometimes they will have a problem like everyone else. They just want to quit something or they just want to get over a phobia. Or other times they'll, they're already brilliant at what they do, but they want to be even better. They want to have the edge. So, for example, Roger Daltrey is not an unconfident person, but when he walks out into a stadium and performs for people, he wants to be in a peak state of performance. So he uses um, one of my trances as does uh, James Corden, you know. And again, I can only speak about this because they've spoken about it publicly. So they want to be in that peak state of performance uh, when they're actually doing their job. Can we talk about some specifics then when it comes to the work you do? I mean, I was I was listening to the news the other day and this shocked me. Eight million people in 2023 in the UK have taken antidepressants. Yeah. One in 12 in the United States yeah. are on antidepressants. There was a recent yeah. survey that said globally we've never had so much but we've also never had so little purpose. Yeah. And there is, what well, did you describe it as a moment ago, a, a biological... Biological, uh, there's a, we're in a psychological pandemic. We're in a psychological pandemic. How have we got there? Well, firstly, because uh, this is a big question, by the way, and yeah, a quarter of the country is taking some sort of psychiatric medication now. And I am not qualified to say whether antidepressants are a good or bad thing. Of course, for some people, they definitely help them through a difficult time. Now, there's no doubt that antidepressants, uh, uh, selective serotonin reuptaking inhibitors, do do uh, um, alter brain chemistry. But um, I think what's happened is uh, a lot of issues that really should be dealt with by psychologists, hypnotherapists, or modern sort of uh, yeah counselors, if you like. Mm have been treated by medication. And that's not bad, by the way, because there's some wonderful medications. But um, rather than people spending time doing talking therapies, which um, are in some cases more expensive than, than, a, than a pharmaceutical medication, um, you can understand why, and also work quickly, people have gotten into the habit of using uh, medication. However, um, uh, you know, as a therapist who practices talking therapies and, and, and you know, some of these new what we call psychosensory therapies, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's something that, that will become more popular in the future because we went down some some really weird roots thanks to Sigmund Freud you know who thought that we just sit and talk about our problems and analyze them and somehow you know that will cure people now there's no doubt getting something off your chest makes you makes many people feel better but going back over and over and over all your problems is a bit like throwing someone with a broken leg down the stairs until they feel better because you're you're sort of you're reinforcing it by going back over it so um for a long time, people thought the solution to overcoming problems was analysing it. And now we've moved past that. Now it's about recoding or repatterning. So um, uh, if you tell me you've been through a horrific experience and you can't stop thinking about it and it's in your mind all the time, rather than just sit and talk about it and go over it and over it and reinforce it, what we do is we make it so it's unimportant. It's coded d differently so that you go, yeah, I, I, something bad happened to me, but it doesn't bother me. 
anymore. And so um, how we've got to the place where we are, where uh, your question started, where we have a massive proportion of people taking medication is um, partly economic, partly cultural, partly a whole load of different things. Um, It's nobody's fault. But if the medications work so well, why are we taking more and more of them? So for people who are already doubting themselves, hearing us have this conversation, thinking, well, the tablets will work for me because my brain doesn't have the capability to be rewired. I, mm-hmm. I'm not strong enough. I'm, yep. I'm not there. What would you tell us, and more importantly them, about the power of the human brain? Okay, so firstly, we, we do need to put it in a caveat, which is if somebody's clinically depressed, you actually need to see um, uh, a qualified yeah. professional, right? Um, but what, what I say to people um, in relation to the work that I do, firstly, uh, a lot of the problems that people have in everyday life are now quite easily solved using modern psychological techniques like hypnosis, like neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, right? Um, and and now these psychosensory techniques where you tap on various acupuncture points or you touch the side of your arms, this sort of things. And these work really well for a whole host of everyday sort of modern problems. And if you want to quit smoking, hypnosis now proven to be the most effective way in the world to quit, right? Um, So I think it would be great if more people were using them. In fact, when I started doing this 35, nearly 40 years ago, it was voodoo, right? And people certainly in this country wouldn't go see a therapist because it would mean you're mad. And there was a big stigma around it. Nowadays, um, the invention of the label coach means that people can get help. They can say, you know, I've got a coach, somebody who's helping me access my resources to be a better version of myself. Whereas therapy is seen largely to help people with problems that they can't seem to overcome. And so um, both have a role, by the way. And what I do is kind of a mix of both, really. So can we rewire our brains? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I hear people say rubbish like it takes 21 days to get a habit. I've seen people in 21 seconds change. You know, they they literally have gone, you know what, I'm never doing that again. And that's it. In that moment, their life changes or they meet someone or they come up with an idea or they suddenly see a possibility. And in that moment, everything changes. So, you know, I'm down on conventional old-fashioned analysis because I meet people who've been in therapy for 20 years and they can talk to you like a shrink and they'll say all this psychobabble about, I've had this unexpressed rage towards my father and I'm dealing with it. No, um, all I'm interested in is the output, right? Uh, it hasn't made any difference to their behavior. What what a modern psychologist, hypnotist, and neurolinguistic programmer does is help somebody to literally reprogram their mind in the same way that about half of what you do every day is a habit, right? You don't think to yourself, shall I clean my teeth this morning? You just do it, yeah? So some of those habits or programs, if you like, help us. Like you learn how to, as a kid, tie your shoelaces, open a door, etc. So you don't have to learn how to do it every day. And you store the program in the unconscious. Uh, and some of the programs we have are unhelpful overeating, drinking too much, smoking, insomnia, lack of confidence, etc. And through modern psychological techniques, you can program somebody or teach them to program themselves really quickly to turn around unwanted behaviours, to be able to uh, feel better more of the time. I actually think we need to pass this over to you, Paul, because <laughs> you know, people are chewing into this, having yeah. seen the name, maybe having seen the trailer, maybe having listened to that first couple of minutes thinking, this could be the conversation that changes everything for me. Mm-hmm. So if that's what they're thinking, yeah. what, what should we be talking about? Please, you tell us. 
psychological technology has taken this dramatic kind of quantum leap recently. Um, and, and so it used to take six months to cure a phobia, for example. Now, most phobias, not even 60 minutes, right? Because we understand more about how people um, uh, make themselves frightened and how they can make themselves unfrightened and confident. And so um, we're gearing up to, I mean, what's really interesting now is with artificial intelligence and the way our species is going we're going to go through we're going to go through a, 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 a again a, a massive change in the species from which we can never return where there will be a marriage of cyber technology human physiology etc the singularity and you know some of that's very exciting if we look at say the many of the developments in medicine fantastic if you look at warfare then it's very scary right um but um I um I tend to be an optimist, right? I I you know I think um, uh, when I look at say uh, I like the Gaia theory that the the Earth is a living organism. The days and nights are the heartbeats. The rainforests are the lungs. The oceans the blood supply. And there are about the same number of communication connections on the Earth right now as there are neural networks in a brain. So we're the global brain. We're neurons in a global brain. And um, uh, what's interesting is to me is that. I'd say the two big problems in the world right now were well, certainly selfishness and, you know, fear-based aggression, greed, stuff stuff like that, right, which is polluting our planet. And a friend of mine, he, he did a few years ago, he took a, an aerial shot of Los Angeles and a, and, and a cancer cells, and he put them side by side, and they, their structure is similar. And so uh, right now, we're in this age that the Chinese call Wei Qi, which means two characters, danger opportunity. So I think right now we've got all of these amazing possibilities. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by um, human development as well as, as well as actually, you know, understanding how it is that we can overcome human problems in, uh, you know, the context of my work as a therapist, but also kind of where we're going, you know, where we're, we're going as a species. And I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. There's some things to be absolutely terrified about. Um, and, you know, only the future will reveal that. Your new book that's come out, I think, is really quite powerful. And it's powerful in the way that we were saying it's common sense, but it's not always common practice for people to understand it. And I'm thinking in relation to that, what I, I, I think that directs us around the opportunity element of what you've just described. So I'd be interested if you wouldn't mind telling us some of the principles that you talk about in the book that any of us can adopt and employ within our own lives. Okay, so over the years, I've had the opportunity to work with all kinds of super achievers, um, you know, as well as people who are, you know, with problems. And... Um, these are people from the world of, of sports, the arts, you know, business, etc. And one of the things I like to do is model how somebody does something if it's excellent. If somebody's doing something dysfunctional, I model how it is they're upsetting themselves or holding themselves back and then change that. But um, uh, the, the idea is if you can model somebody who's a model of excellence and codify it and then teach it to other people in a fraction of the time that it took your model of excellence. That's a great thing, because that moves the species on. And so um, this new book that I've written, uh, Success for Life, The Secret to Achieving Your True Potential, is really about seven main areas. Self-belief, 
right? Uh, confidence, um, that sort of stuff. Then you've got clarity. A lot of people are not sure about what they want. When you ask them a series of questions, they go to their values, they suddenly get clear about what it is, right? Uh, then there's um, connection. That's connecting to other people, connecting to life. Uh, you know, that's where we get our vitality and life force from. There's also a determination. You know, a lot of people who are procrastinators, it's not they're lazy, they're just frightened to make the wrong decision, which is a decision. Uh, but when they're clear and you get their self-sabotage and those aspects of them that are holding themselves back, suddenly uh, they get determined and motivated. Then there's energy and health. I mean, one of the things that we know, uh, again, through, again, it's, it's a sort of modern area of psychology medicine is something called psychoneuroimmunology. That's um, PNI. And that's where psychology and, and medicine uh, overlap. And so uh, through visualization techniques, for example, you can enhance your immune system, right? There's, been, there's tons of research on this now. And then finally, happiness, right? So everybody wants to be happy. Um, but uh, a lot of people think that happiness will come from having more stuff or more status or things like this, whereas our inherent default setting is happiness, and we kind of get in the way. So what I do is I, ex I, I explain this, I get people to do exercises, uh, you know, and I speak in hypnotic language. So metaphor is the stock and trade of a hypnotist, right? And then I, I, I build, uh, there's a whole load of audio techniques with this, but a trance and a trance that gets you to access all these super states. And what happens is as you hit the end of this book, you get euphoria, right? Because suddenly you've stacked all of these great things on top of each other and you can see a great future. You feel full of positivity. You're, you're literally turbocharged, you know, if, um, you know, and so some of the things are real simple. I mean, some of the, the, let me do a quick thing with you now and people watching or listening at home, right? So if it's safe and appropriate to do so, if you close your eyes and imagine a cinema screen in front of you and on that screen, I'd like you to watch a you that's operating at your true potential or close to it. Yeah. A you that's in the zone, in the flow. That's right. Look at the way, look at your posture, the expression on your face, the light behind your eyes. Look at the way you connect with people, the way you gesture. Hear the sound of your voice. And then when you're ready, float over and into that you. Step into that you and see through the eyes of your more confident, optimistic, joyous, creative self. That more optimized you. Hear your internal dialogue, strong and positive, and feel how good it feels. Right, And then, from this place, imagine another cinema screen in front of you. And a you that's operating at an even higher level of potential. A you that's, that's a sort of a, a superpower you. Yeah. Look at, the, look at your posture, your expression. Light behind your eyes once again. That, that, that aura of confidence and charisma, of happiness and joy that you're exuding. That's right. And the way you connect with people, your gestures, everything. And then float over and step into that you. That's right. See through the eyes of your optimized super self. Hear your internal dialogue strong and feel how good it feels. And notice where the feelings are strongest in your body. And wherever they are, give them a color. And then imagine moving that color in your mind up through your neck and around your head, down through your shoulders, into your arms and hands and fingers, down through your chest, into your legs, and then double the brightness and double it again and double it again until you are glowing.
glowing with this color. And then imagine taking this into the rest of the day. Imagine taking it into next week. Imagine taking it into your home life, your social life, your work life. Imagine taking it into challenging situations or dealing with difficult people. Imagine spreading it into your future forevermore. And then when you're ready, you know, just come on back out. Feel good. Yeah, it does. Can I jump in though? Because when you spoke about the word trans, yes, I'm conscious that for me, it goes back to that idea of voodoo yeah. or something to be hesitant or just, or, or yeah. and, and I think the way you've just explained it there is powerful mm -hmm. and I can, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it can feel very self-affirming. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in almost challenging some of that, like that cynicism sure. that's inherent in our culture mm -hmm. that would get in the way of us accessing some of these resources you yeah. describe. Well, look, I mean, you're absolutely right. A lot of people, um, well, not so much now, but, but for a long time, people were, had understandable fears about hypnosis. They yeah. thought it would, you know, it, they might, uh, do things against their will. They might blurt out some secret. Uh, they'd lose control. They'd go into a trance and never wake up and all these sort of misconceptions. And uh, the idea is, is that hip modern hypnosis gives you more control over your mind. If you like the people who want to control you uh, and do it surreptitiously and, and manipulatively are politicians, salespeople, you know, cult leaders, those kind of people, and, uh, uh, and, and use people like me to show them how to do it. Right. right. And um, and so we live in an age now where, you know, there's a lot of uh, manipulation that takes place um, by people, not with our best intentions, but theirs instead. So are we being manipulated then by people that want to do it and we don't even know it's happening? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, just look at look at political campaigns, look at advertising, you know, look at look at just um, the way. Um, the values of, say, the people who run big tech, you know, shape our world, right? So, uh, um, it, by the way, it's not like they're men in some, you know, uh, cigar-filled room, you know, leather-bound chairs, you know, plotting to take over the world. I, I'm not some conspiracy theorist, but yes, um, uh, modern persuasive communicators uh, learn specific language patterns. Okay. You know, years ago, I looked at the language patterns of Margaret Thatcher, Adolf Hitler, and Tony Blair. Now, the content is different, of course, yeah. right? But some of the structural stuff was the same, right? Like what, for example? Well, you know, just, um, for example, uh, politicians speak in terms... Of, first of all, they speak in vague, vagaries, right? You know, we all want freedom, we want liberty, we want justice, we want to feel the things right, or they'll use assumptions. You know, they'll, they'll use assumptive language, hypnotists do. I don't know when you're going to relax into a trance and how deeply you're going to relax. But as you relax, you'll notice it's the right trance right. for you, right? So what I've done is I've hit three assumptions there in a row, which is beyond the limits of what's called trans-derivational search. So your mind has to go on, on this search and try and make sense of it. And you, after three, it just goes, oh, yeah, all right, this trancing's happening now. So again, um, uh, you know, people like Tony Blair, um, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, they are all trained in NLP, you know, and they're, they're immaculate communicators. And in a way, a politician does need to be. That's their job is, is to inspire people, uplift people. So it's not all bad and evil, yeah. you know, but of course, 
Um, you know, it's when it comes to selling products. Um, you know, people that sell products, they, their job is to get you to buy something. And so they make it seem as attractive as possible. If you're a legal advocate, your job is to put the best case for your client to, to the court. You know, so um, communication skills have been around since the beginning of time. It's just we've become much more sophisticated in our use of them. And now with things like social media, it's possible for good and bad communication to spread more rapidly. So would you tell us, for anyone listening here then, how they can harness these patterns? So I love the assumptive nature of the language. I, yeah. like, the, um, I like the idea of talking in vagaries. Yeah. What else could our listeners take away and use, say if it was about getting your kids to do homework or whether it's oh, about... So you mean, it, yeah, so yeah. In really practical terms. Well, you see, the thing is, kids learn by what you do, not by what you say. Sure. Right. And so they're going to learn by example. And uh, uh, there isn't a kind of one size fits all. But um, hypnotists use, um, we, we call it hypnotic language, which is persuasive language. So, for example, you build agreement. Um, you see this in commercials. You know, you want value for money. You want reliability. You want a product that you can trust. You want the Okie Koki 2000, right? Because you've said yes to the first three things, you're more likely to say yes to the fourth, right? So if I'm hypnotizing somebody, I'll say, you've come here today for a reason. And you're sitting here and you're listening to me and you're aware of certain sensations. And very soon you'll be noticing changes. So I've put three things that you can say yes to. And the fourth is a statement of direction. But again, a good salesperson does this. I walked into a shop the other day and the chap said, I noticed you looked at the jackets first, and then you looked at the coats. You're obviously looking for something. Maybe these will interest you. And I, oh, maybe these will interest you. Yeah, because he got me to say yes to the first three things. I was more likely to say yes to the fourth. Brilliant. Can we go through some of the, um, well, actually all seven elements of the book? Sure. I think it'd be really valuable for people to, to yeah. walk away with some, some real some real thoughts and some real tips and mm -hmm. things that they can take into their, into yeah. their own life. So you mentioned self-belief, first of mm -hmm. all feels like the golden bullet. It feels so elusive. Mm. How do we, how do we develop our self-belief? Well, uh, first of all, everyone has confidence, um, to some degree, like, but they might not have it when they want it and where they want it. So for example, when you're walking around a supermarket, you don't go, Oh, shall I get the cornflakes or should you just do it? You do it without thinking when you're sitting, talking with friends, you're not worried about being judged. So you're natural and authentic, right? So everyone has that. But sometimes in some environments, people go, oh, I got to speak in front of all these people. And they go into an unresourceful state. So basically this book is about learning seven power states. So the state of confidence, self-belief, being authentic. So again, you know, when I wrote a book about 20 years ago about confidence, I would tell people, oh, I'm writing about confidence. And, and, and people said things like this. They would go, oh, a training manual for arseholes, is it? And I said, what do you mean? Go, those confident people are in your face. I went, no, no, no. Those people are very unconfident. They're trying too hard. Naturally confident people are authentic. They're genuine. They're comfortable in their own skin. So again, through visualization processes, like the one we just did. And the other thing as well, one of the reasons that people don't fulfill their true potential is either they, they're not thinking big enough, rich enough, right? Or they're holding themselves back. They have some self-sabotage. They have some programs deep in their unconscious mind that they're not worthy or that, that, that somehow it'll all be too much. They're, they've got a little imposter syndrome stuff going on. Uh, and so they sabotage their success, hold themselves back. And again, that's, that comes from one part of the person wanting to achieve and the other part 
going, hang on, we want to protect you. You know, if, if you just suddenly get up and start talking to everyone and, you know, what if you, what if, you know, you, you might not know what you're talking about or you might get criticized. So we'll just hold you back and keep you shy, right? So what you do is you get the two aspects of the self together through a, a really simple process. It's a, an NLP technique. And both of them fulfill their positive intent. So tell us how to do that, Paul. Okay, we do it now if you want. Oh, so please. is there a part of you that wants to achieve something and a part of you that sort of, you don't need to tell me any of the details, okay. a part of you that holds you back, do you think? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if you place your hands like, like this, then, yeah, there you go. Now, if you close your eyes for a second, don't go off into a trance, but I'd like you to put the part that wants to achieve in one of your hands. Yeah, that's it. So it's your right hand, is it? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's right. The part of you wants, you know, to go out and do particular things, achieve and succeed and accomplish stuff in the world. But then there's another part over here this part that's not sure, that holds you back, that limits you, and actually wants to protect you and keep you safe, right? So its intent is positive. Both aspects of you have a positive intent, right? And now what I'd like to do is bring your hands together. That's right, bring them together so they're overlapping. That's it. There you go. Oh, I'm going to come around here. There we go. That's a good. And then what we're going to do is these two aspects of you are going to figure out how it is they can work together so you can succeed and achieve but at the same time, you're protected. And what will happen is in a moment, it'll be like a click or it'll be like, oh, yeah, it's possible. You won't necessarily know. There you go. You won't necessarily know how, but you know it's possible. And now there you go. That's a good. Now integrate that new super part into you. And I'd like you to see what it's like to succeed and achieve, but also to have all the safety and protection that the part that was sabotaging or stopping you was doing. So both aspects are working together. So instead of driving down the street and slamming on the brake, you ease on the accelerator, ease off the accelerator, ease on the brake, ease off the brake. There you go. That's it. There you go. And when you're ready, just come on back. So when you think about succeeding and achieving, it feels different than yep. it did. Yeah. Right. So what we've done, and by the way, this is deceptively simple. I've seen this one thing literally create the most mind-blowing change in a person. Okay. Suddenly, you know, they, they, they couldn't get into relationships and then bam, they meet the right person and get married and have a happy time. Or they, they just weren't, nothing was working for them in business. And then suddenly they get an idea, they just get focused it's because these parts within us are aligned and not in conflict. How did it feel? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, so I'll tell you, it was like, I did. I'm quite shy at heart, so I sometimes go into environments where I have to meet people, and I'm, I can be quite reticent to sure. sort of I'll hide in the corner or make an excuse to escape from there as quick as I can. So that's often nice. one of the parts. So yeah, that's so, what so I was when you about. think I'm about trying to be a bit more sure, confident. sure. When you think about going into those environments now, what's the difference? Of just so the as you were describing it, it was almost like acknowledging that shyness yeah. and saying it's often just feeling not necessarily self worthy, but it's it was about going into an environment and not feeling I have to be loud or dominant, but yeah. I can go in and just be myself and be authentic in yes. this. So you could see that. You yeah. you could you could imagine being in the environment and feeling different. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Now the neat thing is, is so you imagine that one scenario there, your brain, you see, generalizes, right? You learn how to open one door, you can open all doors, right? So what it'll do is it'll go, Oh, if I can feel like this in this environment, maybe I can feel even better in other environments. Yes. And so when you look back on this in years from now, you'll suddenly go, Maybe it was that day when I was sitting there that led to this uh different feeling and set of experiences in my life going forward. Yeah. Really nice. Okay, that was and great. That, the, the big sort of thing for me there is when you talk about, you know, someone 
lacking that self-confidence that even the the negative self-talk is your brain trying to protect you sure it's, you know it's a positive thing in a, in a sort yeah. of strange way and i think as soon as we can think hold on every time my brain says i'm not good enough it's looking after me yeah and then you can accept it i think more yeah. and hopefully learn to not not listen to it necessarily well see the thing is i think you've made a, a, a jake a very good um point there because basically every dysfunctional behavior has at some level of positive intent right mm. so for example if i'm phobic of i don't know flying there's a part of me that's trying to protect me because it thinks it's unsafe even though you know we know statistically it's very safe or if say for example smoking right um the positive intent of smoking is it's a very good stress control mechanism. It's just got a massive negative long-term health consequence. But, uh, you know, smoker, oh, I'm freaked out. I have a cigarette. I feel calm. So it's in t there's a positive intent there. But there are other ways to get calm without cigarettes. So in a sense, what we're doing is a negotiation. Um, we're saying, look, I understand that part is interfering in your life. So for me, for years, I kept getting into the same kind of relationships and, you know, then eventually went, hang on common denominator here is me isn't it um so uh and i'm i would sabotage it early on because i was frightened of being hurt and then when i you know i i did a similar sort of negotiation a few other things happened uh finally i not only got married got happily married and and you know again it was it, it was a little while recognizing that i was sabotaging things it's actually one of your one of your seven points yeah connection yeah and people might be listening to this going well Paul's got it all figured out. That's how he's written his book and had all this incredible success in his life. So I think it's it's important for you to say, like you've you've had issues with these things. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, again, I, I really appreciate you saying this because uh, I don't have all the answers. You know, I have some, but problems, challenges are how you learn and grow. You know, the I'm I am I like Buddhism. You know, the Buddha was not a god; he was a man who perfected himself. And and you know, the only way you can do that is by getting it wrong, by going places where you've got to go where it isn't to find out where it is. And so, I do not have all the answers. Um, I have some, absolutely, and and uh, you know, and actually, from my own challenges, problems catastrophes i've sometimes had a big learning and brought it back into some sort of so you know something that i can use to help people planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you counsel or coach yourself or do you need to externalize it and get help from others? Well, it's a great question. I mean, sometimes yes, right? <clears throat> sometimes I come up with something and I'm so pleased with myself. Like other hypnotists, we ring each other up and go, guess what I can do, right? But um, very often it's hard to actually, uh, when you're inside a problem, to think your way out of it and see. And it's and in the same way that, um, like the other day, I was having, believe it or not, my hair cut, right? And the lady said to me, you know, this mindfulness and uh, it works for me. And I said, um, do you think I should cut my own hair? She went, what do you mean? Well, should I cut it myself? She went, no, have, have a hairdresser do it. I went, well, it's the same with if you're anxious and you're trying to relax, let a hypnotist do it. So, for example, in my world, like there's, there are people who are like, there's one guy who's great at relationships that I know, another guy that's brilliant at eating disorders, another guy that's fantastic with phobias. And then there are some people who sort of try and do everything, you know, as well. But uh, generally, it's better to go and see the expert, I think, because first of all, they're going to be able to, that they'll they'll take the stress out of it. They'll be able to do it, and also you might learn something in the process. So, yeah, occasionally I do something to fix myself. Um, when I was living in the United States, um, uh, I had to go back and forth there every other week uh, to Los Angeles, and I and that's a long old flight. So <clears throat> I programmed my mind to go into quick time. Right, you know when you're queuing in the bank, it feels like it's taking forever, yeah. or you're uh, you're online and it, uh, or you're out with friends and wow. Oh, look at the time. Time is faster and slower given our perception. So a champion sports person will be able to go into slow time. Jackie Stewart famously said, I've only ever driven fast twice in my life and both times. It scared me. You know, anyone who's in a combat sport will go into slow time, uh, etc. So I went into, f I'd get on the plane and I'd go into fast time. So I'd make the journey, you know, I'd, I'd say, right, I'm watching a film, I'm going to eat something, I'm going to tap away. Feels like there isn't really enough time, you know, and so the the flight went really fast, right? So sometimes um, I'll think up something that is useful in relation to a problem, or other times I'll try and enhance something. I'll say, now that's really good. Like the other day, I was working with this guy, and I put this in this book, super achiever, and he said to me, you know, I, I've got all this career success, but I'm just not happy. And I put him into a trance and I said, I want your unconscious mind to go to the times when you were happiest and find the building blocks, not just the serotonin, dopamine, etc. Find environment, people, and the mix of things, connection, contact, you know, intimacy, etc. And he, he came out of trance and went, wow, I, I went to these times I'd forgotten about and we were with my kids and there was this and we were in nature. And, and, but then from that, I went, oh, okay. Um, I, I'm going to use that as a device to just instruct people's unconscious minds, which I put in the trance in this book. So it goes on a search, it finds all the happy times, and it builds more of them. It basically computes, if this sort of stuff makes me happy, how can I quantum it? In your book, you talk about the three circles of connections. Yeah. I was very fortunate too. When I lived in Hollywood, I, I, I'd always wanted to meet um, Robert Evans, uh, you know, legendary producer. There's a fantastic oh, yeah, yeah. movie about him. The kid stays in the kid picture. Stays in the, yeah, yeah, brilliant. And and uh, what one day I got a phone call, and uh, but Bob Evans would really like to meet you. And I was, this is like you know, 
getting a call from the Pope in Hollywood. He was, the guy that was behind The Godfather, he, wasn't he? The Godfather, yeah. True yeah. Grit, Love Story. You know, he's just, oh, he was fantastic. And he, he was, you know, the larger than life, you know, character. He was amazing, right? And I became friends with Bob and, you know, I'd go over and sit with him but in the most beautiful house. And he had, he was a super smart guy, great stories. And he, he had this kind of very big voice, you know, you talk like this. And one day he said to me, um, he goes, uh, Henry Kissinger said, make three circles. Make three circles, kid. The first one's big, that's your acquaintances. The next one's smaller, that's your friends. And the real small ones, your real friends. People who be there for you, you got to be there for them. And um, I went away and I did it. Right? And I went, oh, I have more real friends than I realized, but the majority of them are here in Europe, right? And I do have some real friends in LA. But anyway, I... I went, oh, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. And it's not a bad thing to have acquaintances or friends, but but knowing who they are. And um, and so actually me and my wife decided to move back to Europe as a result of that. Um, and so I, it's one of those processes that's very interesting to do, and particularly in a place like Hollywood, Los Angeles, which is all about everyone connecting with each other, networking, leveraging, you know, everyone's thinking, what can this person do for me? You know, they're all thinking like that because it's a town of overachievers. But there's that lovely line in the book where you where you recount the advice of that it's actually secondhand. It's Simon Cowell's dad. Yes. Would you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, si- you know Simon's a fantastic uh, person. He's incredibly uh, kind and generous. Um, he's he's very candid. You know. So which of the circles is he in in your life? He, oh, Simon's a real friend. Simon's right. been there for me whenever I've needed him. Uh, he's wonderful. And he said my my father said that. Um, Simon's father, uh, Eric, had uh, said that everyone's got a sign above their head saying, make me feel important. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the best-selling self-help books of all time is How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of the sort of simple principles is actually listen and connect with somebody rather than sort of tell them how great you are, you know, connect, listen, etc. And And I thought that was just a beautiful metaphor, make me feel important, because um, it's a nice thing. If you lift other people's energy up, they like you. They might not remember what you said to them, but they'll pretty much remember how you made them feel. Love that. I want to talk about creativity. Yep. It's another one of the key seven yep. uh, blocks in the book. And, I, you know, as someone who considers themselves to be a creative as a broadcaster and, you know, podcaster and a few other things along the way, I get, I do get these periods of block. I get these yep. periods of real like inertia mm. and I don't know where they come from. I don't know why they're there. Mm. Um, I imagine I'm not alone. Mm. So what, what can the book do? do for me in that space people have this idea that you've got to have a bow tie and work in an ad agency you know and be, be colorful to be creative no look if you drive down the street you're creating a journey right um if you um you know sit and look out the window you're creating a viewing experience i mean you you cannot not be creative everyone is creative all day long right and um some people are creative in a way that is mysterious to others. So, for example, we're a left-brain-dominated culture, which is logic, linear, sequential thinking. And so right-brain people abstract, you know, think as artists, poets, etc. You know, to the left-brain people, they, it's miraculous. How do you come up with these songs or think of these amazing plays or, or things like that? Poetry. And so creativity is a state. It's a neurophysiological brain-body state, right? And... Uh, uh, what I found when I lived in Hollywood was I ended up working a lot with creative people who said, I'm just blocked, right? And um, I would say, okay, I'd like you to remember exactly what it was like when you when you wrote your three biggest hit songs or your three biggest blockbuster exactly, movies. I struggle to remember the days when it felt easy. 
Yeah. So thing is, that's why somebody like me would guide you through it, right? So, so what you do is you go back to the moment before you were super creative, right? So for example, you know, they'll go, well, I, I came up with the idea for that when I was doing this. And I'll say, right, go back, see what you saw, hear what you heard, feel how you felt. The other part's the negotiation, right? So, um, I remember a very famous songwriter, one of the great songwriters, came around to see me one day and he said, you know, thing is, I sit down to compose in the morning, nothing. And then I've got friends coming over at seven. Oh, no, hang on, I've got to go off because I've got a hit song, right? And so what I did with him was I said, may I talk to your creative energy? You know, if we were to give it a name, and he said, it's the force. It's like a force. It's like I channel it through me. It just, it comes out. So I've got no control. It just shows up. I said, I want to talk to the force, please. And he went, sure. And I said, so look, um, I appreciate what you do. And uh, right now, you know, on a scale of one to a hundred, what percentage you went on? 10%. I said, could you take it to 20, 30, 40? We got it up to hundred percent. Oh, I'm right song. So hang on, tone it back down again. Now, there are all sorts of different aspects of a, of, of, a, of a human being that not necessarily all align. So you'll go, part of me wants to go to the cinema. Part of me wants to stay at home. Now, it's not as though there are two people there. These are two ways of, of describing uh, aspects of self process, if you like. And so I said, look, I, I wonder if we could uh, ask you to show up at particular times. And I'd like you to imagine now being by the piano or, you know, being by the keyboard or whatever it is. And, and then invite the, the force to come on in and in it came. And, um, I remember, uh, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be this straightforward, but it was. Okay. And then like a few months later, I got a call one night and this guy from a, 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 a big American band. And he said, Hey man, you know, I, said, I understand you, you got this creativity thing going on. And I, I said, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's late. And well, he, he said, look, you got to help me. I, I, I got to make this album. I went, and so I went, okay, man, talk to the creative part, please. He went, yeah. Um, you, I understand you do a job. I'd like you to remember times you were creative. Blah, 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 blah. Is there any objection to you feeling that creative energy? You knowing that's it, fantastic. And anyway, <laughs> I hadn't heard. Like I, I had a number for him. I, I called him about a month later. I called his, his agent actually about a month later, and I said, I just want to know how how he's doing. He went, how he's doing? How he's doing? He won't stop writing. You know, he's, he's in the studio all the time. Like, and, and so sometimes a simple negotiation. Uh, which, which seems like it's taking place in the waking state, whatever that is, right, um, is what a hypnotist does. It's like a, a negotiation. In a way, it's because I speak fluent subconscious mind, I suppose, would be a way of putting it. And so with creativity, you are creative but you might get in your own way. So for example, one of the ways that people get in their own way is they try and get an idea down and make it perfect while they're doing it. And they'll critique it while they're trying to be um, brainstorm, right? So you get the critic out of the way and you just get it down. And then you critique it afterwards. Walt Disney's strategy was this. He'd dream something up, then he'd step into another sub-personality, he'd slag it off, and then he'd go into the third position of realism. Well, if that's going to work, how will it work? And so these are simple strategies that when you read them, you go, yeah, I could do that, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, look at the, the Paul McCartney strategy when he, he came up with the, the ballet. You know, he was asked in an interview, how do you write a ballet? He went, sit here on opening night, curtain goes up. What do I see? What do I hear? And then, and then it comes from there. This conversation reminds me how often we overcomplicate stuff mm -hmm. in our own heads. And actually, really, a lot of what you're saying, and this isn't me dumbing it down, it's like... Mm. It's it's kind of simple stuff if we know the tricks, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in the same way, 
um, there are things that you do that are really straightforward and easy to you because, you know, that's your world. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I find this one of my friends, he's a, you know, kind of a genius in business. Right. And he starts explaining to you, well, there's this, and then you do that. I go, oh, oh, hang on, wait, wait. Hey, come on, keep up. And to him, it's, it's, he doesn't understand that not everyone is able to think so clearly about all these different mathematical decisions. And so, you know, it's what, what you're used to, but you're absolutely right. I think a lot of the problems people have these days are, uh, from being tortured by their own minds. And so, uh, you know, they'll have a thought and they'll have a thought about a thought about a thought. And what particularly we find, you know, since the pandemic is people have become great at catastrophizing, going, hang on, this, there, the war, the economy. Blah, blah, blah. If you open the newspaper, turn on the TV, you're under attack, right? And which equals ratings, doesn't it? You know, the more emotive it is. And so, um, I like, there's a great saying by Mark Twain, which is, I've been through some terrible experiences in my life, and some of them actually happened, right? Because because a lot of the time, things that we worry about, understandably, because we're trying to protect ourselves, as we talked about earlier, are never going to happen. There are emergencies we're preparing for that are never going to happen. And uh, I, I suppose, in a sense... Um, Part of what I do is help people reset their thinking so that there's their bandwidth, which is taken up with too many survival thoughts. Suddenly, when you take that out of the way, there's room for creativity, joy, you know, happiness, you know, all these sort of really amazing states and emotions. We have had some of our guests, Tom Daly, for example, spoke to us around the art of catastrophizing, though, mm -hmm. so working out what could kill me, yeah. going for an Olympic medal. Yeah. And then sort of coming up with contingency plans. So yeah. I'm interested that your view on that, but equally, is there a ratio then that we should acknowledge some of the parts that are trying to protect us by yeah. catastrophizing, but then the ratio to allow that joy and creativity and spontaneity to come in? Well, it's a, you know, it's a really great point because you're absolutely right. If a part of you is worried and concerned about something, it's function is protection. The job of fear is to say, be prepared. If I'm about to step off the curve and there is a bus coming, I want fear to pull me back, keep me alive. I just don't want to live in it. Right. And so, um, you know, for example, Richard Branson does this upside downside thing. So, um, you know, when he thinks of uh, when he's about to make a business decision, right, professional risk takers are not reckless. They're people who for a living, they weigh things up. So say for example, uh, you want to ask somebody out on a date. Now, Downside is they might reject you, so you'll feel bad for an hour or two or a day or two, whatever it is. The upside is they might say yes, right? And then you have a relationship, you might have an amazing life. So the downside is a three, the upside's a 10. When you have that, that big difference, take action. If it's 50-50, I'd be much less inclined to take action. And, and so... Um, uh, it's again, it's, it's one of those things where you sort of, nobody gets it right all the time, right? You have to sort of, sort of weigh it up. But, um, in any sort of, um, achievement of things, first of all, you have to know what you want. Secondly, I think you should, um, imagine having it and do an ecology check. Ecology is the study of consequences. So if in achieving this goal, will I cause problems for myself and other people? In which case it's not a good goal to have also the goal's got to be maintained operated by you you know some people's goals are to make everyone else change to make me feel happy so it should be i'm going to do this in order to achieve that 
And then once you've imagined achieving it, what you do is you literally back engineer it. So what I do with people at the moment, because I noticed a lot of people post pandemic had lost their focus because they couldn't make plans that everything goalposts were moving, right? So I go, I want you to go, in fact, you know, go off into the, uh, the, the, go off a year into the future and imagine you've had one of the best years of your life. If that's true, what must have happened in regard to your health, mental and physical, your relationships, personal, professional, your career, your finances, your spiritual life, your general levels of happiness. And so because you've taken the limiters off, people go, wow, yeah, if all of that happened, it would be great. And then you go, now, come back three months. What would have needed to have occurred then? And three months and three months and three months. And then suddenly they look at their life and they've got a compelling future over the next year. So again, these are things that seem simple, but took me a while to hone this and practice this to find out where it could go wrong and get it to work on most people most of the time. I want to touch on health and energy. I think if there's two things that we are, you know, people would say they want more of, it's mm. better health and more energy. Yeah. How can these techniques give us them? Well, okay, so um, there's some simple things. Every biohacker will tell you that it's sleep, it's diet, it's exercise and it's state of mind. Those four things are, are the main things to, to look at. And, uh, you know, years ago, I used to get up and attack the day and, you know, burn out regularly. I was treating life like a marathon. Now I treat it like a series of sprints. And I have not had a cold or been unwell for five years now. Uh, by making these simple changes, you know, uh, I uh, even when I had the, 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 the virus, you know, I was just tired for a few days. So, um, it's kind of what I don't do, you know, I don't burn out uh, as much, but also, um, I listen to my body, uh, and, um, and I practice, I visualize myself in good health. Right. And again, there, there, you know, there are a whole load of things that I could point to people who do meditation, regular self-hypnosis, uh, tend to be in better health. If they're visualizing themselves, they, they tend to cope with stress better. 50% of the reason why people end up at the doctor, you can trace back to stress, right? So if I could give people just one thing in the world, it would be to turn off the unnecessary overwhelming stress and to be able to go into states of deep calm and peace so that they can replenish themselves. So um, as well as that, on this trance, I talk to the immune system and I ask it to optimize, right? And again, the unconscious mind knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to know about macrophages and killer T cells, etc. It knows how to optimize. See, if I cut my finger, right, I put a plaster on it. It's not the plaster that heals my finger. It's my genetic code. You know, it's, it's, the, it's all the aspects of me that do it. The, all the plaster does is protect. So uh, very often we can treat things that manifest physiologically through psychological means, right? You know, because there are all kinds of things which are caused by stress. So the main thing is basically reduce stress, reduce toxins, uh, don't wear yourself out, you know, simple stuff like this. Would you just give us a few of the key things that you do in your daily life, your daily routine yeah. that get you to this place of not being ill? Well, okay, so uh, what I do these days is I get up and I, I juice first thing in the morning, green juice, and uh, I, uh, I, I'm, uh, and, uh, I make me and my wife a juice. Um, then I, if I'm hungry, I have some breakfast. 
And um, I do a walk in nature. I walk with my dog and I do a gratitude list. I walk around, I think of all the things that I'm grateful for, like my health, my friends, where I live in the world, uh, you know, the, the job I get to do. I think of the, the small things like that first cup of tea in the morning, which is fantastic. And by doing that, I'm reinforcing at the unconscious level that my life is abundant. And if I'm feeling a bit low, I just go back over my list and it lifts me up, right? So it's a really good idea to think about all the things you're grateful for because far too many people are thinking about what they don't have, they can't do, etc. That stops you getting ill? No, no, I'm saying what that does is, right. so no, it's a good question, is by being in an optimized state of mind, right, you're going to be healthier, yeah? It's, um, so what stops you, what, what gets you ill is um, too much stress, too many toxins, and also, let's not forget, some people are genetically predisposed to some things, right? Yeah. So you have to put that in the equation. But what uh, was a turnaround for me in my life was, was stopping burning myself out, working too excessively, and and uh, uh, instead of, as I, I use the metaphor of a marathon, and now a series of sprints with recovery time. You know, what I also do that I find just works for me is things like acupuncture, um, and uh, I'm, I do meditation or use one of my own trances, you know, and people say to me, well, by the way, there's, um, yeah, people say to me, they go, you know, isn't it weird listening to one? I go, no. That's my voice in my head, you know. You hear it all the time. Yeah, except I'm very relaxed when I'm talking to myself in a trance, you know, instead of worrying about something. So, um, Would you tell us as well about that 80-20 principle? Because I think this links to your metaphor of a, of a series of sprints rather than a, a marathon. Right, so um, Wilfred Pareto was a 19th century economist. And being an economist, you know, he's thinking mathematically. He finds that... 80% of the peas he harvests from his garden come from 20% of the pods. And he wonders if this whole, this principle holds true in other areas. And, and it does. Sometimes it's 70, 30 or 90, 10, but 80, 20 is a pretty good benchmark. So 20% of your carpets walks on 80% of the time. 80% of the things that a computer does is down to 20% of the software. 80% of the cost of crime is down to 20% of the criminals. 80% of the money you make is from 20% of your efforts. 80% of the fun you have in life will come from 20% of the environments and 20% of the people you know, right? The most fun. 80% of the problems, the grief and, and on all the stress, again, will come from 20% of the people. So isolate who they are and just don't spend as much time with them or whatever those environments are that, that stress you out unnecessarily. So the 80-20 principle is a, it's like a, a rule of thumb, but it's a really interesting way of interrogating your life in terms of, you know, some, a, lot, a lot of people use this in business. They then do an 80-20 of the 80-20, but it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting a way of just doing a stock take on your life and going, oh, oh, hang on, that's where the fun and the good stuff is. I'll spend more time there, and that's where the grief so is. Can you give us an example of, of, of that in your life, Paul, where the 80-20 principle plays out? Well, when I first learned about this about sort of 25 years ago, whenever it was, I looked at all the various business interests I had, and I went, oh, that's the, that, that, that's, that makes the most money, and this, that stresses me out, and that's all, and so I'm going to focus here. So from a business point of view, it made a big difference. Um, then also, I, I, I basically, in those days, I went through my phone, and I went, who takes my energy up? Who takes it down? Mostly speaking, because some people, you know, can take your energy down on occasion because they have a friend who needs lifting up. I went, God, they drain me right. So I just wouldn't send them my new phone number, right? And uh, I do things like that. And then uh, the other use of the 80-20 was, oh yeah, there are things I do that are not 
have no commercial you know, gain at all, right? But I like doing them and they make me feel good. And so I do those, yeah? So it's it's because I made it sound like some sort of Excel spreadsheet approach to life, which you could consider it is, but, you know, it, it's not purely about yeah. commerce. It's it's really about feel good, yeah? Um, and and so that's how I've applied it in my life. So, Paul, quick five questions. Your three non-negotiable behaviours that you and the people around you should buy into? But people who are selfish to the point that they're like sociopathic, mm. they, they really don't care about the collateral effects of, of their own, you know, relentless desire and ambition uh, is, is another thing that I find uh, deeply reprehensible. Um, you know, I also, do you know one of the other, it's going to seem a little more petty now, entitlement. You know, people who've just got that that entire thing that that yeah that that again it sort of gets me, um, but um, yeah, I just I think um, yeah I think um, cruelty, bullying, condescension, yeah, and finally entitledness. So those would be three for me. Very good. What's your greatest strength and your biggest weakness? It's a mix of basically uh, adaptability and tenacity, right? So um, <clears throat> uh, in terms of uh, my life, if I look back over it, somebody pointed out to me recently, said, you've reinvented yourself a few times. And I said, I never set out to, I just adapted because life took me in different directions or my interests are in different directions. Weakness, um, oh, do you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I, I see the best in people to a point sometimes where I'm a bit gullible, you know, and literally I, I you know, I want to believe that everyone is inherently good, you know, and and so that's a future. Nice trait. I think you should stick with that. Well, it's one of those things where I'm not going to let it destroy my yeah. my faith in human nature, but it has got me into trouble a few times, uh, let's say. Yeah, you could go back to one moment in your life. Where would you go and why would you go there? Well, you know, I'm going to say something like the moment I got married you know, and I looked into my wife's eyes and we connected and it was so beautiful. We were exchanging our vows on the beach and it was like, wow, you know, um, I mean, also the moment, you know, where we realized we were in love with each other. There's some of those have got to be like, they're the high is so high. Other some of the other big highs are when I help somebody with something that say everyone else has given up on them and this is a really hard thing and they suddenly have a phenomenal breakthrough and i i mean again i can't quite describe it. it's like one of the greatest feelings on earth you know it's um it's a beautiful thing i i think those are sort of my top so if i had to pick one i'm going to say the beach with my wife what advice would you give to a teenage paul just starting out on his journey well i'd just say it's all going to be all right mate. you know <laughs> i used to worry so much about everything and try and overachieve i say hey it works out great you get everything you want it's fine you know life is going to be absolutely fantastic and you know you, you're about to live this. You're, you, what a ride you're about to have, you know? It's going to be fantastic. I mean, the piece of advice, when, whenever I'm asked, what's the one thing you would tell people? It's you get more of what you focus on, you know? And, you know, far too many people are thinking about what they don't want these days. And I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to be, you know, shy. I don't want to be whatever it is. And not thinking, I do want to be confident or I do want to be in control and these sorts of things. So. And that leads us really nicely to our final question after this fascinating conversation. Thank you for it. Your one golden rule, your message really you'd like to leave ringing in the ears of people who've enjoyed this conversation. 
I like the Dalai Lama says kindness is my religion, right? And I, I think, you know, right now we've got so much hate going on in the world. We just need more kindness. And again, all right, here we go. Gandhi, my life is my message. So if you want to look at, uh, you know, in, in a way, rather than some, some words and platitudes, you know, uh, what, what have you done in your life? Have you, have you had an effect? Have you done something positive? So try and, you know, I, I, I mind try and encourage people because, you know, my, my job these days, my main job is I teach people how to be hypnotherapists and, uh, I'm teaching them how to get people to be kinder to themselves, to, uh, overcome problems and challenges, to, uh, realize that, you know, there's a lot to feel good about. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think that's the sort of the message uh, I have is, um, life is absolutely amazing. Try and find out how much pleasure you can stand. What a great, what a great one. How much pleasure can you stand? Thank this you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Really was. Well, the pleasure is ours. Thank you, Paul. Damien, Jake. Look, I think if there's one thing we try to be with the audience on high performance, it is our true selves and really honest, okay? So let's just be honest and say that before we spoke to Paul today, you know, you were messaging me saying there are, there are certain areas of the world that he inhabits that you are a, you're a little bit cynical or wary about, right? Yeah, definitely. So to qualify that, I think what I'm normally sceptical about is where I see any claims that you can change your life in a day, you know, you can instantly make yourself happier. Things like that often go against the idea of what so many of our guests tell us about is there's no shortcuts to high performance. It's about doing the work. So that's where my natural cynicism came from. But having met Paul and listened to him, I think a lot of what he spoke about was common sense and it was about translating it into common practice. And some of that is about language, some of it's about belief, some of it's about habits that we get into. Is there also an argument that, you know, our our area of expertise is always narrower than we think it is, right? So because, you know, we're an expert in one thing, we kind of assume we know bits about other areas. And actually, like, you know, Paul sits there and explains that the human brain is so deep, so complex, so powerful, that maybe we can unlock it quickly. Like, maybe it is possible. You know, he said, didn't you, numerous times in the interview, I sat with someone and in two minutes flat, I managed to unlock something and I spoke to them weeks later and and it totally changed the way they lived. I, I do love the idea personally of thinking that's how powerful our brains are and that there might be a, an, a kind of an amazing moment that can come our way. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. But I think there's a step before that, that when Paul's working with somebody, he's working with somebody that's open to change, somebody that's open to try new ideas, somebody that's open to listening to a conflicting view. And that's what... I think is the key ingredient here. If you've got an open mind, you can learn from anybody and anything. And that's what I'd hope, that's certainly the way that I've tried to approach today. And there's a couple of ideas that Paul shared that I'll definitely incorporate. And hopefully from a listener's point of view, that there's some ideas there that come into it with an open mind it means you can walk away with something valuable. It actually reinforces right in my head that thinking that a moment is going to just naturally arrive where all of the stuff that you do badly, you're suddenly going to do it well, right? Is, that's just, that's kind of unrealistic to think by doing the same thing, suddenly there's a different outcome. I think where that was a really valuable conversation for me is Paul saying, look, I've not been ill for five years. And every day when I get up, I go for a walk and write down a gratitude diary. The gratitude diary is not stopping him from getting ill, but the gratitude diary is making him live in a way 
where he realizes how lucky he is. Therefore, he doesn't pollute his body with bad food or too much alcohol, or he doesn't think in a negative way and bring stress into his body. So it's a small, simple step that actually has a really big impact. And even when he says like, you need a bit of anxiety, you need a bit of stress. Yep. You, that keeps you alive. That stops you doing stupid things. We're so desperately running away from any negative emotions these days. I think hearing him say, well, that's okay. it's like that's protecting you. That's also really powerful. Yeah, and again, if anyone's listening to this and going, well, I'd like to explore it in more detail, I'd point them in the direction of the interview we did with Dr. Julie Smith and also with Dr. Pippa Grange. Like Pippa spoke around the two types of fear, the in-the-moment fear that Paul described of get out of the way of the bus, or the more insidious, not-good-enough fear, where that negative self-talk keeps us rooted in worrying about or catastrophizing situations. So I think what Paul was giving us there is rooted in in real common sense psychological principles. I think what he's doing is translating them into behavioral hacks, whether it is going for a walk in the morning, the gratitude journal, whether it is just taking a moment to visualize the outcome you do want rather than what you don't. There's lots of really small tips that anybody can take and incorporate. And what I'd ask everyone listening to this is come with the customary open mind that our high performance listeners are famous for. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. As always, I'd love to know what you made of this conversation. Remember, the one thing you can do that really helps us is to subscribe wherever you get your shows from, whether it's on YouTube or on your podcast provider. Please, hitting subscribe helps us grow our channels and we can attract even more incredible people to come and have these conversations. As always, you can get so much more on the High Performance app. Head there and you can access loads of exclusive content. But for now... Thank you so much for sticking with high performance into the new year. Please continue to spread the learnings you're taking from these conversations. Remain humble, curious, and empathetic, and we'll see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.